0: Join me and our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.
1: No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey you are welcome here.
0: No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey you are welcome here. And you
2: are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether. You're in Connecticut, or Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to United Church of Christ Longmont. Whether you're joining us here in this space, or from other spaces and places, or even other times, uh, it's good to be together. It's always a gift to be together. And I also want to welcome, a, um, do a very special welcome back to those who haven't been here for a while. It's especially good to have you here in our midst. My name is Sarah Varasco and my pronouns are she and her. And on behalf of our entire worship team, Reverend Amelia and Robert and Lauren, one of our choral interns is here this morning filling in for Sam who is doing interviews for doctoral programs. Uh, We welcome our choir. And up in the AV loft, we have Karina who's driving and Scott who's learning. Um, There's always someone learning here in this place, isn't there? I hope so. Not just up there right here and in the back we have our nursery staff so and we have our newly formed welcome ministers our ushers who are in the back to assist you if there's anything we can do um, to help you in your time here so allow yourself to arrive with all of that all of those people all of these volunteers and staff that have helped to create this space for you Allow yourself to arrive and to settle in a little bit. Allow yourself to become aware of your whole body and the space that you take up, fill. Be aware of your breath and your breathing Nothing forced, just let it be. And if you're not good at letting it be, then maybe take one exaggerated, really big inhale. Hold it at the top, and then exhale. You know, our choir warms up this way every week. They warm up a little bit differently, but at some point, There's a movement or a breath where you go, oof. And that oof is the precedent to something opening up. So let this be a space of opening. And in that spirit of opening, let's greet each other with the words that are one of the foundations of this community, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. You are welcome, you are wanted, and you are valued. So let's see what the Spirit will do with us in this time of worship. Let us rise in the Spirit and sing, They'll Know We Are Christians. guard each one's dignity in that hymn. It didn't really stand out to me until we sung it just now. I wonder what, if anything, stood out for you. And it's possible that this stood out because this is Black History Month, February. And if you came in casually, you might have noticed that there are some books in the entryway that are specific to Black History Month. Thank you to Julie Nossick for her librarian gift uh, to us all every week, but this month in making sure that we have some resources outside for folks to read. And in honor of the dignity of our black siblings, each service this month will include a spiritual as a way of recognizing and appreciating the gift of black Christian music, music with a message. We know that during a period of enslavement, singing was a way of learning and sharing scripture. And music was also a glimpse into the faith life of the enslaved. So I want you to stay with me in this. And let's see what God's grace will reveal to us. Not necessarily in my words, but maybe in between them, maybe even despite them. And let's proceed trusting that God will use this time to help us see and hear and think and feel in new ways. So let's really stay with our black sibling experiences and try not to expand it beyond that just for these moments and we're going to begin with scripture Uh, and this scripture passage from the letter to the church in colossia is part of our community covenant and this is significant because today we're going to be welcoming new partners in ministry and so this scripture from the letter to the community in Colossia, starting with chapter three, says, therefore, as God's people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other Do you hear the echoes in the hymn we just sang about unity, about so much more? So if we are to be one body, we need to take a look at the whole body. And I want to invite you back eight years ago. It was a time when our country's oldest black church, Mother Emmanuel, reminder, Emmanuel means what? God with us. Mother Emmanuel is in Charleston, South Carolina, and eight years ago, Barack Obama was president at the time, and he offered the eulogy for Reverend Pickney who was killed during a Bible study, along with other church members. This was one of the mass shootings in our country that got a lot of attention. And his remarks included a statement about black churches that I'm going to share with you. And I hope you can put politics aside so that we can appreciate that really this president, like other presidents, but this president in particular was and remains a great orator. His skill for speaking, his skill for conveying a message, powerful. And I want to encourage you to listen to the full eulogy. It's about 40 minutes long. It's probably one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my life. And that's what it is, because it's a Christian witness of a black president in a black church. And it's a sermon for the nation, really. And here's what he said about black churches. Over the course of centuries, black churches served as hush harbors where slaves could worship in safety. Praise houses where their free descendants could gather and shout, Alleluia! Rest stops for the weary along the Underground Railroad. Bunkers for the foot soldiers of the civil rights movement. They have been and continue to be community centers where we organize for jobs and justice. Places of scholarship and network. Places where children are loved and fed and kept out of harm's way and told that they are beautiful and smart And taught that they matter. That's what happens in church. That's what the black church means, our beating heart, the place where our dignity as a people is inviolate. In other words, and these are mine, the black church was the place where there was freedom, and safety from injury or violation, truly a sanctuary. And when I hear the phrase heartbeat, or the word heartbeat, and that as a description of the black church, I think of Ibram X. Kendi. He said, The heartbeat of racism is denial. And one of our colleagues, Amelia and I have a colleague in the conference, who did a project on white silence. And more specifically, the silence of the white church. And for me, white silence and silence itself and denial is the very worst of what a hush harbor can be. So he said, the heartbeat of racism is denial. The heartbeat of anti-racism is confession. So it's the movement from silence to speech, where the God-given breath that we all share becomes sound and becomes speech. And this morning, I'd like us to add to whatever list of confessions you might hold, that the Congregational Church has a measure of responsibility in the deep betrayals and the brutal wounds of white supremacy. The Congregational Church is a part of this congregation's history, as it is the history of many. White supremacy was not only supported and practiced by the congregational church. And you'll notice I'm not going to take inventories of other denominations. They can do that themselves or not. So white supremacy was not only supported and practiced, but it was justified with scripture and toxic theology. As a church, we had lost our way. The one who says, come follow me, was no longer being followed, but was left in the dust. We became blind to the betrayal and to the pain. White supremacy has its well-known ways, the institution of slavery, segregation, and Jim Crow laws, the enforcement of these laws, mass incarceration. But it also has some really less obvious forms. Some of the code words of, like, standard business practices that are losing their hold Thank God, because standard business practices institutionalize the policies and preferences of white supremacy into organizational structures. That's what people mean when they say systemic racism. You've heard that term, right? That's what they mean. The policies and the practices are ingrained. Oh, it's not our policy. This is our policy. The hush harbor of silence is a blanket confidentiality, get out of jail, free card. You don't have to answer our questions. It's a confidential matter. Or NDAs, that blanket is starting to fray. It needs to. Or the shackles of a singular way you know this made sense to me when i was in my 20s as i have to learn this playbook there's something happening in this company where i'm working that i don't understand and it looks like a lot of people know how it how the game works i mean i'm an athlete i want to learn the game right but this was completely foreign there was no ball in sight but there was a game going on, and the rules were clear to some, but not to all. Or the hush harbor of denial, which comes out in defensiveness, maybe. Take it away from me, and I'm going to put it onto you and purpose in perfection. Can you relate to these expectations of perfectionism and don't say anything in the presence of denial or it's a confidential matter, don't ask questions. There's nothing we can tell you, nothing The term rat race came to mind this morning. It's a rat race for that, right? Yeah, it sure is. That's probably one of the most honest statements there is. Fiercely competitive struggle for what? Wealth and power. Why am I doing this? Whose pockets am I lining? Who's benefiting from this work that I'm doing? Why can't I treat this person? It's amazing how ingrained the practices of white supremacy have been enculturated. It's almost hard to see it. But I hope you will start to look and wonder and listen because sometimes the God-given breath that we receive does only become sound and not speech, and the sound is more like an ache or a wail or a cry. That doesn't just happen randomly. There's deep pain that needs to be heard, acknowledged, accepted. Today's spiritual that our choir is going to sing is a humble plea for divine guidance during the race of life. Not the rat race, but the race of life. and the awareness that we don't want to be running this race in vain, but to the glory and honor of God. And the spiritual is, guide my feet. And of course, running is a metaphor. But there are a lot of different Proverbs that talk about running. Some of them say, the young run the old walk, but together they can go far. In the scheme of things, we live in a very young country who valued running over anything and everything and we didn't get very far. So it's time now to Look and listen to older countries, and even to the elders of black churches because one of the signs of maturity is that we eat from the same plate. That's the sign of a family eating from the same plate, and we'll do that later at Communion. We will eat from the same plate or from the same table. So from the perspective of African American history, Guide My Feet could be a song of encouragement to those escaping or eluding enslavement or captivity while seeking freedom. And the stanzas demonstrate a personal God and a community of faith surrounding the singer hold my hand, stand by me. The race is not to be done alone, but as a community that shows up and shares in a common experience. It's the embodiment of the body of Christ. Any number of laments in the The Bible could be the foundation for this spiritual, like Psalm 118 is mentioned in some resources. But it also seems clear that the letter to the Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 1-2 to comes into play. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let's not leave him in the dust. He doesn't leave us in the dust. He lived and died to show us what it meant to be one body. So let's call in the ancestors. Let's call in Jesus. Let's call in people from all continents and from Haiti. And let's join our church choir in the prayer for divine guidance and an awareness of what support looks like and sounds like, what healing looks like and sounds like, what it means to be the church lead us choir lead us folks who have made a decision to join us as partners in ministry, and if there are others that have not um, considered it until this moment or had not made a decision until this moment that would like to join this church in ministry, you are welcome to come forward. But those who are certain, come on up. Because we value and appreciate the voice of each person. We're just gonna hand off the microphone and let folks introduce themselves. All right, you gonna turn it on? It's on. It's on. It's you, go. Yeah, we got the coaching and I'm not sure I can do this. Good morning. My name is Barbara Willis. My pronouns pronouns are she and her and I come to you from Community United Church of Christ in Boulder. Uh, I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but have lived most of my adult life in Boulder and now in Longmont for the next stage of my life. Um, I'm a retired librarian. Uh, I've got three kids and five grandchildren that range from 29 to five. And so, and none of them are in Colorado. So uh, anyway, it's, it's good to be here and I'm looking forward to being part of this community. Good morning. My name is Mary Baskett and my husband Mel and I moved to Longmont just in in August, the end of August, from Lawrence, Kansas, which is a little bit outside of Kansas City. Uh, I'm a retired uh, nonprofit person, uh, spent the last part of my career uh, working in the field of early childhood, uh, which I loved. And um, we have two adult children. We have a daughter and son-in-law here in Longmont. Which is one of the reasons we're here, and then we have a son and his family in Washington D.C., and we have a grandson, a two-year-old grandson named Julian, and another grandbaby coming any day now. So we're <laughs> excited about that.
3: My name is Mel Basket. I Colorado is my second home in many ways. I've been out here almost every year of my life, particularly the Boulder area. Lived there twice. I'm a retired school teacher after 40 years in education. I started my career in the hardcore inner city, Kansas City, had some very deep memories there. I ended my career in what I called the Golden Ghetto, where we had some very fluent suburbs where some kids had too much of what they didn't need and too little of what they did. Um, I've been a substitute teacher over 100 schools between Kansas City and Denver. I spent the last 28 years at Blue Valley High School over Park, Kansas, teaching primarily AP psych, sociology, American history, and in an earlier lifetime, I spent, special, spent some time in special education, and we have a wonderful dog named Bella, who, <laughs> who we enjoy walking together.
0: Hi I'm Micah Cronin and this is my family We'll give each everyone a turn. Uh, we live here in Longmont we moved here from Minnesota a couple years ago. I work for Seagate and that's on the west side of town and uh, I I was personally born in the Netherlands and I've lived many places um, but met Rob in Minnesota or Iowa really <laughs> um, yeah Hi,
1: my name is Emma Cronin. Uh, I'm nine years old and turning 10 in June. And I love art.
0: Hi, I'm Mary Jane Cronin. I'm a 10th grader at Longmont High School. I'm a part of their medical and bioscience academy and uh, the Longmont Combined Schools uh line. Hi, I'm Becca Cronin.
1: I am a 12-year-old seventh grader at West female school and I enjoy playing sports.
0: And I'm Rob, Uh, I was born and raised in Minnesota. Uh, Micah and I both fantasized about uh, coming out to Colorado both before we uh, got married and then in the 19, or almost 20 years, well actually no, it was 17 years by the time we moved out here, uh, and then we realized that we were the adults and moving to Colorado was our call and uh, <laughs> so we did um, and uh, I am a part-time substitute teacher uh, mostly at the high schools and uh, full-time dad uh, have done that since uh, Rebecca was born and uh, I enjoy anything outside pretty much mountain biking snowboarding hiking anything else hockey you know anything outside To join a church is to join a community of people and also a communion with God. This is part of the way that we live out our covenant together, an agreement that we are making with God and with one another. And part of that agreement is that along the way, along this path that we all walk, we will discern the way together. And so you all, as you are receiving and welcoming these new partners in, mem- in membership and in ministry, have a question to answer. This is the question for you. Do each of you welcome these new members into our community, pledging to uphold the values of our community covenant? And if so, please say together, I will. And to
2: our new partners and new members in ministry, today we rejoice in the journey of faith that led you to this moment and to this place. We're grateful for every mentor and faith community that nurtured your spirit along the way. And we delight in this moment, recognizing that you have made the decision to join this household of faith. And we have just one question for you. Will you participate in the life and mission of this community, sharing regularly in worship and taking part in the ministry of this church as it serves the community and the world? And if so, please say, I will.
0: The decision to join a church is both personal and communal. As we have said, this is a way of joining in a shared mission and in covenant. And so I invite all of you to join our new partners in ministry by standing as you are able and to read together these statements, this affirmation of mission and covenant, as it is in the bulletin or on your screen. We gather as God's people to discern Christ's way, seek social justice, and discover the holy. We move out into the world to extend the reach of our living God. May the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, since as members of one body, we are called to peace. We are a community that values joyful noise, and so I invite you to join with me with clapping and cheering if you are able and would like to join in that way as we welcome these new members. And you were invited to clap along, as well. (laughs) And friends, as we continue in making a joyful noise, please turn to those who are nearest to you and offer them a sign or a greeting of peace. May peace be with you. (laughs) I'll start in the middle.
1: (laughs) Let us
2: rise in the spirit and sing, number one twelve, come to the table of grace. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: up to join in saying these words of blessing as they are in your bulletin or on the screen and you may want to be in an attitude or posture of blessing whether that is holding your hands forward or upward perhaps toward a table or the food you are blessing if you are joining us at home and we say together loving God thank you for inviting us to this table of transformation Help us to see, in the breaking of the bread, your healing love. Help us to know, in the pouring of the cup, your tender mercy. May all who receive from this table be nourished and equipped to act with integrity, to serve with humility, and to be instruments of peace. Amen.
2: Friends, as we continue in the spirit of blessing, let's join together in our Lord's Prayer, the sung version this morning. I'll sing a line and you just sing it back. It's been a while. See you. gathered at tables often and our tradition tells us that it was the last time that he gathered with his friends and disciples that he took bread and he gave God thanks and praise and he broke the bread and I imagine that in the breaking of the bread they were reminded Of the many ways Jesus went to the broken places. Where he went to the margins where those who had been outcast were invited back in. Where he called out things that were broken in systems and practices and said, no. Where his presence in those broken places brought healing and reconciliation. And that day, that time, at the table with his friends, he said, take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body, which will also be broken. It will be broken so that you can see what love looks like, even in the broken places. Whenever you do this, whenever you share bread,
0: Remember me. And likewise, tradition tells us that perhaps after dinner, after they had already shared this cup and this meal together, just as they had already shared so much together, Jesus reimagined the brokenness for them and that pouring again into the cup and offering it to each of them. He said, this is like my life, my very love, and it is poured out for each of you. As often as you drink of this cup, do this in remembrance of me. And so each time that we gather at this table, we remember these words. We are inspired and nourished by them. This table is open to all who yearn to know Christ better. We will have four stations this morning, two in the front and two in the back. If you prefer to have communion brought to you in the pew as we begin to serve, please raise your hand and an usher will be with you to do that. But know that all are welcome here and that in that spirit, we serve gluten-free bread and juice that we may continue to partake from a common table here and in all that we do.